Welcome back to Talking Points, the podcast that shines a light on life in the performing arts. I'm your host, Claudia Lawson. Today I'm speaking with the quite incredible Evie Ferris. Evie was born in Cairns, in far north Queensland, and she's a proud Tarabalang and Jabakai woman. Growing up, Evie danced alongside her sister, a talent so bright that by the age of 12, her family, including two of her five siblings, were moving south to Melbourne. By 12, she joined the Australian Ballet and on graduation was accepted straight into the company. She's only the second Indigenous Australian to ever join the Australian Ballet. But this isn't the end of Evie's glorious story. In this wondrous interview, Evie describes her life in dance, about finding her voice and about the pride but also the pressure that comes with being an Indigenous dancer. We also talk about the moment she met Blue Wiggle Anthony Field in a Sydney Opera House green room and how she went on to become the first Indigenous Australian to become both a ballerina and a wiggle. Just quickly interrupting this episode to let you know that Season 3 of Talking Points is sponsored by Energetics. Energetics specialise in creating sustainable, world-class dancewear for the stars of tomorrow. Perform and feel your best at every stage of your dance journey in Energetics premium high-performance fabrics. Try them out with a 20% discount for all Talking Points listeners using the code EV20 at the checkout. Shop their extensive range online at energetics.com.au or for our US listeners, it's energetics.com. T's and C's apply. Hello, Evie. How are you? Hi, I'm well, thank you. How are you? So good to have you here with us. I really wanted to start by asking about, you know, where you were born and, and where you grew up. Yeah, so I was born on Jabaka, Yadinji country in Cairns right at the top of Australia, um, and I lived there until I was 12. Um, and then my family and I relocated to Melbourne so that my younger sister and I could attend the Australian Ballet School. I mean, I, I've read about this and I just think it's so fascinating that you you moved down to, from Cairns to Melbourne, I think with all five siblings and mum and dad. I mean, it's at 12, it's so young. It's so young. Um, it was just my two younger siblings at the time who moved with um, our parents. And I think I was so fortunate that they were able to make that big move because 12 was so young to be starting full time. And my family, uh, my absolute rock and my support network, I don't think, you know, I would have survived that big change and just the training and all of that at such a young age without them. So I'm just so lucky and so grateful. How come you were starting the full-time program at 12? Because I guess most people I speak to seem to go into the full-time training sort of around the more 14, 15 age group. Yeah, I was a young intake for that time. I remember though, Lee Rolls and Irina Konstantinova, um, my beautiful Miss Irina, who I had for, I think, five years during the school. I think it was, you know, it was just the perfect time to take me for my potential and to really start that training. And so I was a year or two younger than the rest of my cohort. But I think it does depend 
kind of just on that year and because I know that there has been yeah some years that start younger and I suppose it's yeah just individual yeah okay I didn't actually realize that it was even um I guess even available to kids to start from 12. And so you also said that your sister joined. She did. She joined just part-time because she was only nine at the time um, and did a few years at the Australian Ballet School with me. Amazing. And so do you have memories from Cairns growing up? I mean, is that um, your family's heritage? Yeah. So um, my mob are the Tarabalang Bunda people, so from Bundaberg, kind of central Queensland, but that's like Kansas where my immediate family had ended up and I have such beautiful memories. I just loved my childhood in Cairns and I always thought I would move back one day because, you know, I miss the weather and just mm-hmm. kind of the whole vibe of it as well. It's so different <laughs> to Melbourne. But yeah, it was a really beautiful upbringing. Ah, uh-huh, sounds incredible. And so was there an adjustment moving to Melbourne to start full time? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think even just the pace of life kind of more of a city obviously a change in my day-to-day going to full-time ballet training yeah definitely a big adjustment yeah and then you are accepted straight into the Australian ballet after is it six years of full-time training with the school wow yeah a dream come true to be honest I feel very fortunate to be able to say my childhood dream came true so it's incredible. I mean, it doesn't happen to so many of us. <laughs> I know, I know. It was, yeah, it's very surreal. And you're only the second Indigenous Australian to be accepted into the company, um, the first being, of course, Ella Halkavar. Um, I mean, I imagine that's a huge privilege, but does is does that also come with pressure? Absolutely. I mean, it's so – I've always been really passionate about being an advocate and a voice for – First Nations children and people and so it's really an honour to kind of fulfil that goal and that dream of mine but yeah it does come with more just an innate pressure I think you know sometimes I wonder oh you know am I good enough for this to be this person and to be this spokesperson and you know just a bit of self-doubt or imposter syndrome but I actually I remember something someone said to me at the NADOC ball last year And they just said, you know, just being you is enough. Mm. And that really stuck with me just because I think it's really easy to, you know, in the art industry or any industry really, always striving for more and striving for perfection and always bettering ourselves. It's really hard to sometimes just sit and acknowledge Mm. the good, the good that we're doing. So yeah, the, that self pressure can sneak in a little bit at times, but I feel really supported and it's a privilege. I wouldn't ever change it. Mm. Why do you think not more Indigenous Australians do ballet? Um, I think there's an accessibility gap, I would say, especially, you know, more regional communities. It's just not as accessible, maybe like cost and Mm. even information. I even know that I, living in Cairns, it's, you know, a big big city in Australia, I definitely didn't know half of the things a lot of my friends who already lived in Melbourne knew Mm, just about ballet and about, yeah, like the wider kind of um, exposure to to even watching it. So to learn about it and to even know that that's a possible Mm. job or a possible hobby. 
Yes, I see. And you're right. I mean, there's no shying away from the fact that training in ballet is expensive. Yeah. Um, not just the tuition, but, you know, all the costumes, all the travel, all the competitions that people really need to be involved in to get to get seen. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because now that you're you and Ella can provide a face for, you know, younger kids to aspire to. Yeah, absolutely. That's just such an important goal. If we can inspire just a few children to dream big and even just instill some belief that, you know, they're worthy and they can go for those goals, then yeah, that's kind of a fulfilled goal, I think, of mine. <laughs> mm. And so you joined the company in 2015. Mm-hmm. What was it like to, you know, what's the day-to-day difference in joining a company, you know, moving out of, I suppose, more of the the school and the tuition every day? What were things that you didn't expect and what were different? The later starts. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah, because I suppose because, you know, we, we finish later and then we've got shows. So we start a little bit later than school. Ah, uh, so what time does the school start? 8 or 8.30. Okay. And so what yeah. time would the company start? 10.30 when we're oh. not in season and then 11 when we're performing. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a huge difference. Absolutely. <laughs> and the days are then, you know, extremely long, you know. Mm. I remember having to adjust to the two-and-a-half-hour rehearsal periods, one before lunch and one after lunch. You know, physically it's one thing, but even the mental space <laughs> to mm-hmm. stay focused and learning repertoire and, you know, usually in your first couple of years you're covering all of the different things so you can jump in at any point. So that was definitely uh, an adjustment as well. Okay, so like the day starts at 10.30, you do yep. class and then move into rehearsals after that? Yep, rehearsals from 12 till 2.30 mm-hmm. and then we have our lunch break and then 3.45 to 6.30 would be our next rehearsal chunk. Wow. So you're yeah. right. The whole day sort of has like shifted. Yeah. And then again, when we go into show schedules, we'll do mm-hmm. a class from 11 till 12.15 and then rehearse from 12.30 to 3 and then have our show in the evening. So have like evening bar at 6, 6.30 into the show. Wow, so your whole like body clock has to really shift. So that it really so does. It's so funny. We talk about it sometimes. We're like, oh, the midnight dinners are back. <laughs> <laughs> it's true because the performances really don't finish until oh, almost always after 10, 10.30. Yeah. yeah. Oh, incredible. And so when you joined the company, what was your aspiration within the company at the time? So it's funny. I do remember actually – feeling so afraid. Really? (laughs) It was such a big adjustment and it's this weird thing of my dream just came through and now I almost don't know what to do with myself. I don't know how to like deal with these emotions. It's so surreal and so exciting but really daunting. So yeah, you know, you kind of battle with that in those first first year, I guess. It depends, you know, individually how long you kind of take to just sit get comfortable within yourself. Mm. Yeah. And my aspirations, I mean, we started my very first ballet with the Australian ballet was Swan Lake. (laughs) So I was like, oh my gosh, just kick it right off with a massive, massive kind of lifelong dream to do Swan Lake. And we're 
revisiting it again now. Wow. So yeah, I think just to be be here and be in these beautiful ballets and focus the grow as a dancer and really feel strong and feel confident and yeah, be a part of this amazing company and kind of make a difference with the art that I create. Mm. It's funny because I hear two different versions of the story when people join the company. Some people are so hell-bent on making the rank of principal yeah. that they almost don't see joining the company as the dream has been fulfilled, where others, similar to you, are just, you know, the lifelong dream was joining a professional company. And so the joy at at joining the company is there from the beginning. Absolutely. I mean, I feel like I grew up being, I want to be a principal with the Australian Ballet, you know, (laughs) and then when I actually got in, I was so shy as well, just such a shy kind of 18. So, you know, it's such a vulnerable age I found. Mm. And it's funny because I think people don't often realise that the principal dancers now and all, you know, in the upper ranks, you know, often women and men in their late 30s these days. So that's a huge adjustment for an 18-year-old to suddenly be working with people who've been professionally dancing for sort of over 20 years sometimes. Absolutely. And people that we watched down the end of the hall and completely looked up to, you know, our biggest inspirations, Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden they're in the studio with us and supposed to be kind of, you know, equal. We're all colleagues now. So we kind of had to be like, yeah, all right, guys, you know, we're equals, we're colleagues and step up and we're not little (laughs) students just looking up to our big heroes anymore. So yeah, yeah. I imagine that's quite a shift in your headspace. Yeah, absolutely. Now in August, 2021, you were announced to be part of the new, the Wiggles Fruit Salad TV. I just want to ask (laughs) how that on earth came about because Well, first of all, there's very few professional dancers that, one, have a second job or have time to have a second job. Totally. I just wanted to to ask how that happened and how that had come about. It is so wild and random. (laughs) Anthony calls it fate when these things happen. I obviously grew up with the Wiggles, big Mm -hmm. fan. They were my first concert. (laughs) But I was at the Sydney Opera House doing Capelia with Oz Ballet and Anthony walked past in the green room completely randomly and just asked me to take a photo of him and his friends. Okay. So hang on. When's this? A couple, a few years ago or? Yeah. 2016, 2015, 2016. Wow. Okay. So quite some time ago. Yeah. So I'm like, yep, great. I'll take this photo. The realization is washing over me that that's Anthony Wiggle. So the blue wiggle, the original blue wiggle. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like inside fangirling, <laughs> trying, to, trying to be cool. And because I, Anthony had done some work with Oz Ballet, you know, Oz Ballet and Wiggles had done a few mm-hmm. collabs already, kind of just asked if I was with the ballet and I was like, yes, are you the Wiggle? <laughs> and we, yeah, the rest is history really. We just kind of became friends from there and he learned a little bit about me and about my story online and through social media and then when Fruit Salad TV came about, he asked if I would be a part of this new project. And I absolutely said yes, even though it was completely out of my comfort zone. <laughs> um, I couldn't couldn't pass it up, especially it was such a beautiful project about diversity and, you know, mm-hmm. broadening 
the audiences and reflecting a wider community mm-hmm. on TV. So, yeah. And so do you have to then approach the ballet and say, hi, am I able to do this? I mean, how does it work? Yeah, the pitch was just, we're just going to film a few episodes of this new kind of pilot uh-huh. series. So that's what I asked of work. And they're like, absolutely. Because, you know, the concept behind Fritz TV was to represent a diversity of cultures. Mm-hmm. So great opportunity, little project. Okay. And so that was like evening up as well. I think the gender balance within the Wiggles. So now there's absolutely four yeah. guys, four, four men, girls, four and there's diversity with women of yeah. colour and Indigenous yourself. So... Okay, so the Wiggles had said, right, we're gonna we're gonna bring this, I guess, more reflective of Australian society totally. to fruit salad TV. Okay, so at this point, it was just a pilot. Yeah, because there'd only ever been four Wiggles. Yeah, and then it just proved to be a huge success and really well received. And now the Wiggles have expanded to eight Wiggles. And I am now the yellow wiggle, so I get to represent my Aboriginal colours, which I consider such a privilege. It just, yeah, it's really, really special to have my colours on my skivvy. And is that because I think you were the you were a blue wiggle initially? Is that right? Yeah, I was blue for Fruit Salad TV, and now now that it's this expansion to eight wiggles, and yeah, and now I'm in yellow, which is so brilliant because obviously. You know, on the Indigenous flag, it represents the sun. So it must just be incredible. I think you have the stripes of the red, black and yellow on your skirt as well. Yeah, yeah. I've got the a red and a red, black and yellow stripes. <laughs> yeah. I was like, my skirt's black, so there's not a black stripe. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And so how do you juggle that with the ballet? It's definitely demanding mm-hmm. but extremely rewarding. I And I'm so lucky that, you know, both of these families are really supportive. But I I kind of do what I can and what is available and possible. Okay. So, I mean, last year I was so fortunate. I toured with the Wiggles to Canada and around Australia from September to December. Um, and I took time from all of my Oz Ballet shows at that time, whereas – Later this year, I'll be able to perform with the Wiggles at various times while also doing my Oz Ballet shows. Oh, I see. Okay. So I'm really supported and we kind of just make it work. You know, it's not uncommon that I might start the day in Sydney with a bit of filming and then I fly back and I jump into some Oz Ballet shows or rehearsals. So, yeah, I can sometimes be doing two in one day. Wow. So really the ballet and the Wiggles just allow you to juggle that and your cast according to both organisations' schedules. Uh, Yeah, as much as we all can, which is so amazing because obviously, you know, it's such a commitment at Oz Ballet. You know, we we all need to be here for the rehearsals and the shows and for my colleagues and then, you know, vice versa with the Wiggles. (laughs) It's now we're not calling ourselves the great eight. Um, (laughs) I'm really supported to kind of do as much as I can. Wow. And have you had to learn to sing? I have. Ah. Um, Yeah. (laughs) I kind of just grew up singing with my family. Did you? Okay. You know, yeah. We kind of loved music and it was always around us growing up, Mm -hmm. but nothing to the scale. So, yeah, out of the comfort zone there. (laughs) (laughs) I think singing for 
usually predominantly dance trained people seems really frightening. <laughs> oh my goodness. It seriously is. Even I find, I mean, I've gotten a bit more used to it now, but just talking on camera. Of course. Like the first time I did filming, I was like, I am so used to just being silent. I can explain what I mean through movement. Mm. I, I don't know how to say it though. It's really <laughs> true. How to say it or sing it. <laughs> Yeah, because you're used to articulating the emotion or the story or the narrative through your body. It's it's true, isn't it, that most dancers haven't been trained in how to either speak or sing. Oh, yeah, not not at all. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So just learning on the go here. <laughs> learning on the go. I think I I had a conversation with um, Emma Watkins a couple of yeah. years ago, and she said the same that. You know, she just thought she would be sort of up the back, you know, not being featured as a singer and then was presented with this, oh, this is your song. And she just said, oh, yeah. absolutely. Oh, so yeah. Terrifying. Into the recording studio you go, headphones <laughs> on, microphone, right in your face. It's, it's, yeah, it's wild. It's amazing. I mean, absolutely amazing when you think about it, being in the recording studio, but yeah. absolutely daunting at the same time. <laughs> yeah. People train their whole lives to hope for that. That's yeah, that's so true, actually. And so what are you hoping in terms of the future for you? Are you hoping to continue with both organisations or what do you think, you know, you'll pursue? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's such a privilege to represent my people and be a role model and to get to do that in kind of two dream jobs. You know, one being the ballet, that's what I grew up always wanting and training for and then kind of this dream that I honestly stumbled upon and something I never saw for myself but have just loved so much and has just been such an amazing platform for me to fulfill all of my hopes of being an ambassador and a role model and while I'm able to do both and be so supportive to do both I well, absolutely. Just, yeah, do everything I can to continue to do that and kind of, yeah, push forward the visibility and representation and also just be so fulfilled dancing with Australian Ballet and then performing with the Wiggles and being on the TV with the Wiggles. It's, yeah, it's actually just amazing. And I sometimes still pinch myself. Evie, thank you so much. I mean, you're just such an inspiration and how lucky we all are to have you as one of our First Nations women on the screen and, um, you know, inspiring not just women but women of colour. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me. Evie continues to split her time touring and dancing with both the Australian Ballet and the Wiggles. For Australian Ballet performances, tickets and times, head to australianballet.com.au or you'll find them on Instagram at Ballet. For the Wiggles shows and tour dates, head to thewiggles.com or find them on Instagram at thewiggles. And to follow all of Evie's adventures, find her on Instagram at Evie Ferris. Evie and I recorded our conversation remotely, with Evie dialing in from Melbourne on the land of the Kulin people. Talking Points is recorded and produced on Awabakal and Gadigal lands. To the owners of all these lands, we pay our greatest respects. Talking Points is produced by Fjord Review. Remember to subscribe to get the latest episodes as soon as they're released. And if you like us, please leave a five-star review. 
On the next episode of Talking Points, you'll hear from Boston Ballet's John Lamb. My mom said, we need to take you to the hospital. I said, why do I need to go to the hospital? But like, we need to make sure that everything works down there. Maybe that's why you're gay. And I'm like, no, it has nothing to do with my anatomy. I just happen to be attracted to the same sex. Your host and producer is me, Claudia Lawson, with additional production by Penelope Ford and Clint Topic. Sound production and editing is by Martin Peralta at Output Media. And for the latest in all things dance, head to fjordreview.com.